This is the Daily Dispatch podcast with your business correspondent, Ted Keenan. Today, Dispatch Live is talking to Dr. Shiksa Gala, who is probably South African's eminent expert on cannabis. Dr. Gala, or may I call you Shiksa? You have yes, just, for sure. Thank you. You've just returned from the International Cannabis Business Conference, which took place in Berlin. What was the good news for South Africa? So, yeah, it was a very interesting uh, conference that was actually sponsored by the EU to go, so I was quite excited. And, you know, interestingly enough, there was a lot of South Africans there, which was great. Unfortunately, you know, from our part, the Africans weren't really participating lots. We just had one session as a moderator. And I feel that there is definitely a place for South Africans because when we compare to some of the panel discussions and people that we have met at the conference, you know, we found that South Africans, we have a really deep knowledge and understanding of cannabis that the rest of the world actually doesn't have. And I think the reason is, you know, because we've been using cannabis for, for years or centuries here in South Africa. And we've done a lot of work with regards to where we're going and patients as well as medicinal as well as him. So it was a really interesting conference. Um, Germany is actually looking now to, um, you know, make the recreational cannabis uh, legalized. So that was one of the hot topics at this conference. Uh, but they haven't really, they're still busy with their plan. And that is what South Africa was also looking at. I know you may have listened to the Kudos our president, um, you know, who's mentioned that he wants cannabis to try to drive the economy. And we're looking at opening up the recreational bits for South Africa as well. So from our side, we've learned a lot and what the other countries are doing and how they're doing it. But I still strongly feel when we first interviewed Ted, you and I, that we need to have a proudly sort of African strategy because I see with the knowledge we have, we should actually be the global leader or the base hub for cannabis in, in the world. Is it fair to say that the rest of the world seems to be getting its commercial uh, act together regarding cannabis and that we're being left behind or am I being unfair? No, 100%. Everybody's definitely getting the commercial. Look at Thailand, what's happening. You know, I'm also working with some guys in Thailand. Thailand obviously just open free for all now, but everybody's jumping up the bandwagon. Obviously, a little bit more structure would be better. If you look at Switzerland, Switzerland's just opened up medical cannabis as well for export as well as for, for, for uh, patients in, um, in Switzerland. Australia's opened up quite big as well for the uh, medicinal side and Germany's already been in the medicinal sector but they're going in recreation as well. So I agree 100%. We've been dragging our feet here. You know, we've had the first major conference, I think it was in 2019 here on the Eastern Cape where our premier was here and I was part of that entire delegation. And, you know, so we haven't really moved forward with the commercialization. So we're going to be left behind for sure if we don't actually, you know, uh, take the bull by the horns, take the knowledge that we have, come up with the proudly for the African uh, strategy, as I mentioned earlier, that will be benefit our country as well as our people and as well as the global um, leaders in the world as well. Your company, Biodata, that you set up and which is now a subsidiary of listed Labat, undertook some trials, which I think you started probably 14, 16 months ago. And that trial was to see how efficient cannabis products could be against normal opiates. How has that gone, or is it still going? 
So what has happened, um, you know, it's actually been a year now and we've actually had to renew the study, Ted. We've just got renewal for the study. We had a few, uh, you know, issues. It was the first clinical trial in South Africa, so we, we found the stigma attached to cannabis was really huge. And we felt we had to do a lot more education with the people, not only the patients, mostly the other uh, medical professionals as well. Um, so we had a lot of hurdles there uh, with regards to recruitment of the patients as well as the sponsor with Labas, uh, with regards to the crowdfunding model as well that we had to fine tune a lot to make sure you know, that we get a lot out of the study because it is one of the largest studies. So we did run the pilot study during that time, so the time wasn't wasted. We ran a pilot study and the results were phenomenal with the pilot study. We had a 98% of patients that we were able to get off the opioids and put them onto medical cannabis. And after, and that entire range of those patients um, had absolutely no pain. So we were able to control their chronic pain, wean them off the opioids and get them onto um, the cannabis. The other findings from the pilots that we ran during that time um, was that patients the quality of life definitely improved. We had 100% of the patients where they had the quality of life improved in the pilot. Um, a lot of them complained about, you know, the opioids that are taking, they don't have quality of life with regards to the, uh, the side effects of the medicines, the addictiveness of the medicines. They're craving it. And with the cannabis, it was actually a really, really great transition. So we ran the pilot study, which was great. And from the pilot study, said we've learned a lot of lessons. We're now coming up with an app uh, that's going to make it easier and user-friendly for the patient so they can go on pull in the informed content, get all the information. The doctors will then um, send the consult, want to do the consult, the script automatically. We're getting more access to areas where the patients can then pick up their medicines and also career the medicines from the research. So this, it was a great learning experience because during that year we ran the pilot, we learned from all the hiccups and we improved in all of that. We've reported on the pilot, we've reported on the patients that we did run on the live study, and every single patient that we ran on the live study thus far um, has absolutely no adverse reaction to the cannabis. So that was also great. So we just got approval, we're going to extend the study and uh, for another year, and we've got permission from Pharma Ethics, so it should end next year, September, to get our total uh, database of 1,000 patients. It's also a really uh, ambitious target to get 1,000 patients, uh, but we feel quite confident now that we've run the pilot that we'll be able to, you know, to, to get a, a good sample size of that. If you talk to various people that are believers in cannabis, they, they really punt the product. What are the stumbling blocks to just getting the products as it is? You know, this will help sleeping, this will help diet. Just, they seem to be natural products, just get them out into the market immediately. So the something blocks firstly is our legislation. Our legislation has still made any medicine with THC a Schedule 6. So currently, uh, there is no registered medicines in South Africa. Uh, the only way that a patient can access it now is via the Section 21 process, which is quite a long process, but we've been doing the Section 21 for many patients, and SAPRA has been quite good in giving results back approvals back, but it just takes long and a lot of doctors don't want to go there. So the problem is the access to cannabis. I'm also busy with my, my other company, Holistic Healing, um, uh, where we're bringing in the first registered medical cannabis um, so doctors can subscribe without a Section 21 into South Africa. We are just waiting for the final approvals from SAPTA. The dossiers have been in for the past two and a half years, so we're just waiting. We are at the, at the end of it now, hopefully. 
so there is a stumbling block is the access of the patients need to get to good quality medicine uh, because there isn't any interacism. Uh, the other stumbling block for us as an Africans for me to go and register one of my own medicines said a private South African one, a sector wants us to prove clinical trial. That is why we're running the study. We have to show that if you're making a specific medical claim, let's just say for sleep, for example, for insomnia, you have to be able to run clinical trials to prove that cannabis is effective for sleep or not effective, and then the, what are the side effects of that medication? What are the correct doses? So it is a lot of work when you're looking at it as a pharmaceutical medicine. However, if you treat cannabis as a traditional medicine like it is in South Africa, as our traditional doctors have been using it for years and centuries, then it changes and then it allows access for patients to have these medicines without going to the strict protocols. But you will still need to have some sort of, um, you know, formulation that actually can make medical claims. So I still do agree, because you're treating a specific condition, you need to have, you know, controlled medicine, but um, I feel the controls are just too strict. Firstly, I feel putting it as a Schedule 6, uh, it doesn't fit into the category with those heavy opioids or the addictiveness of the morphine category. Uh, you can't even equate it with cocaine, heroin, or any of the addictive, you know, those kind of drugs. So I feel we have overburdened ourselves by putting too many restrictions on it. Um, if we have a probably South African strategy with regards to how does it fit into our culture, how does it fit in with our traditional doctors? How does it fit in with our medicinal acts? And then put some sort of regulations towards that. I feel that will work. The other thing I just want to quickly mention is, you know, the legislation also states you're allowed to grow cannabis at your own home and you're allowed to make your own medicine. So, you know, it's just a very big disconnect to have allowing patients to do that, to decriminalize that, but you're still making that a Schedule 6. So you're telling patients you're allowed to grow the cannabis and make Schedule 6 medicine in your home. So there's a big disconnect there, which I feel we need to, to look at. Um, that, is, that is what I feel is the problem. If we, if we take your theme of disconnect a little bit further, the farmers in what I think we should call the Ponderland area, which is perhaps one of the best growing areas, maybe even in the world, I think are being penalized because people are growing what they used to buy in their backyards. What is being done for those people, specifically the women who used to grow there? I know you were once quoted as saying, we will never leave those women behind, but are they not being left behind? And so to answer, it's a very difficult uh, question to answer, especially, you know, we've been pushing with the government as well. We had a strategy, I think I've mentioned that to you before in one of the interviews, where we could incorporate those Ponderland growers under our license, and we were willing to do that to assist them, to make sure it still goes via the separate facility, but we just guide them. We even came up with a strategy, Ted, uh, where we called them rural agricultural practice rural agricultural cultivation practices where we are training the rural areas, the women there as well, uh, to get fair value for the crop, to bring it to a separate license so it can still get exported via the license and we can still make local medicine via the license. So we've been having discussions with SEPRA, unfortunately it's also fell through the cracks I feel, uh, you know, we've been having endless discussions, it also has affected us with, you know, with targets that we had to meet with the licensing uh, with our separate license that we had. So 
my personal opinion is I feel they are going to be left behind. They're already starving in those areas. You know, this is what the other people were using to put bread on the table for their families. It is what they were using to, to take their kids to schools. So, you know, since the legislation changed, it has made it uh, legal. Now people are growing it on their own. They have more access to cannabis. Now these, these farmers have been left behind. Nobody's taking their cannabis anymore. Um, so they've really been left behind. So we've come up with a strategy where we're looking at to legitimize this entire Fondo land area and then feed that through a sector license until they can have money, enough money into that area to get their own license. Yeah. Uh, you know, but have a different phases. So we had a three phased approach that we presented to SEPRA for a specific offset that we have that we no longer have now, by the way, because we fulfilled it. Uh, with some other sources. Um, so, you know, that would have been a perfect start to, to pilot this entire run of strategy that we came up with, or actually I've come up with, to try and look at how we can help our farmers in this area. And you know what? The strategy is brilliant. I feel it's foolproof. We put a lot of work into it. We've been working with uh, traditional doctors, uh, Greek in Ponderland, some of the strain hunter. A lot of people been working with us to try and make this work and include them. And unfortunately, between SACRA and the government, they don't support it. So unfortunately, these amazing women that are doing great things are going to be left behind. And it is Women's Month here, and it's appropriate to talk about it because, you know, those women are doing great things. We've tested those cannabis as well in the NAPS laboratory. All those cannabis was actually clean. There was no pesticides, herbicides, exactly the way as they are doing it now. I'm also going to be conducting some research now with the CSIR We've been looking at specific land rate strains for breast cancer. We've done with the crop market yesterday in the USS. We're going to just continue with different strains now running it with CSIR. And that could also be very important. And what I would like to do is register that IP with the people of Fondo Land, um, you know, because it belongs to them. And there's so much here that we can do. There's so much ideas and strategies I have. But the stumbling blocks or the barriers of between governments as well as the, the legislation and, you know, the sector just being a little bit more open and guiding us to say, this is a strategy, let's see how we can make it work because we're going to have a lot, you do have a license, you're willing to use your license to make sure we don't export rubbish or we don't use rubbish. Uh, that is why we want to make sure that we have all the checks and balances in place and we've already done the test as I mentioned. So yeah, to answer your question, if we don't, you know, look at strategies that are inclusive, unfortunately, uh, the farmers are going to be excluded. Sadly, the Eastern Cape government is boasting about the ability of cannabis to actually drive the area. So we have even the Premier, Oscar Mabuyani, putting in regular quotes about the properties and of cannabis and what cannabis can do and they're going to be setting up beneficiation plants but it's all talk at the moment what is the single thing to your mind that is going to get this going i think you must stop talking and you must start doing uh we i'm also part of the uh, delegation that will be uh, advised governments both local and national and also part of another delegation for private sector we have put in together also with fields of green for all have also uh, put in information, they put in a, do, um, uh, a dossier, important information 
a manifest actually is what Myrtle calls it, to show what, how we could look at the regulation of cannabis in South Africa. Um, with the private groups that I'm working with, we've also put in suggestions on how we feel, uh, you know, moving forward um, this could work. Um, all they need to do, we've done all the work pro bono, none of us will pay for all of this work that we've done. Take what we suggested and implement it. The work has been done. We need to stop wasting our time. Oscar, uh, Oscar Mabriani has been really awesome with regards to that he is really supporting cannabis, but I think from his end as well, he also needs support from national governments uh, on how the, the Eastern Cape can actually be the hub, as I mentioned, not only for South Africa, but for global, because there's so much here that we can learn from. There's so much of, um, you know, there's land racing, there's, there's, there's hectares and hectares of cannabis. What happens is it just gets thrown away as well. You know, we're wasting all of this medicine that we can actually use. So if they can take the strategy that we've already guided them with and implement it, I think that will be a great way to, to head start. But I think we're already at the end, almost at the end of 2022, and we haven't really done anything. Um, so from our side, we have guided uh, governments uh, from the private sector side. So I, I, I strongly feel if they just take what we've given them, and approve it that we will be able to commercialize and, and include everybody in this uh, cannabis industry. To see some of the best farmers in the world, certainly the best cannabis farmers in the world starving, is almost criminal. Thank you very much for speaking <laughs> to Dispatch Live and let's hope this time next year we will see beneficiation plants jumping up everywhere. Thank you for your time. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan.